They're bad. They're boys. And occasionally, they talk about running. Yes, it's the Bad Boy Running Podcast with your hosts, Jody Rainsford and David Heller. Come back. Baby, come back. Bye, 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 bye. Bye, 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 bye. I must admit I was a clone to be messing around. But that doesn't mean that you have to leave town. Come back. Bye, 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 bye. Bye, 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 bye. Hey. How you doing, Jenny Rainsford? Oh, I'm all right, David Hellard. How are you? Uh, to be honest, I'm in a foul mood. I haven't told you this yet. <laughs> Why? Why are you in a foul mood? I love how you laugh your way into a foul mood. <laughs> oh, poor Briggsy. She's Well, we, uh, we're back in the flat and... Oh, you're back. You're back in London, spreading but... the virus all around the South Coast. Yeah. Thanks for that. Exactly, exactly. Now, I've, um, I've come up because I've had a... A physio appointment, a uh, yes, scan. <laughs> so we came back just for this purpose, and she's gone off was, the run. Was it worth it? Was it worth it? Was it worth coming all the way back? Well, I, I mean, I hope so. It's. I came back last week and I had a scan, and I suspected the scan was utterly useless yep. because the person was essentially saying that to me at the time, and I thought, don't understand why they're checking. I've got a hernia. Um, I then, I then it's, your age. Of... it's your age, that's why. <laughs> while, we're, while we're here, you're bound to have a hernia at your age. Let's just check for that as well. We need to be fingering there so often. <laughs> no, I don't. Is that how you check a hernia? <laughs> once, you're, once you're 40. But, um, and then, I, but I was seeing the, the, the top guy in sports science in the NHS. Who He's actually a really nice guy. And you could tell, he, I, I could tell that he, he completely understood when I was explaining to him, like, my situation like wow this is embarrassing now and then he saw the results and like yeah this is embarrassing this clearly is nothing to do with what i've asked for so they they then did a scan on me straight away and this is the weird thing so they're they've decided it's all in your head is that what it is in my head. <laughs> right now i just don't want to run just don't yeah, want to... I know. So what they've done they've um injured me more by doing something, sticking needles into my injured area with the hope that the additional injury elicits a greater response from my body. Because essentially my body just can't be asked to... Isn't that, isn't that called acupuncture? No, no, because I think acupuncture is about releasing... Oh, I don't... I, I think, isn't it releasing the area or potentially to do with energy flow? Whereas this is my... In my head, they're basically getting a rusty, jabby needle and just going. Ah, 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 ah. It's already yeah. bad. Let's. This, this. It's almost. It's the equivalent of like shunting something in order to get it going, isn't it? It's yeah, like yeah. Well, we might, it's not working. We've run out of options. We've run out of technical stuff. Oh, let's just give it a smash. <laughs> give it. Give it a give bang. <laughs> yeah. So I'm hoping, given that it really hurts now, and um, it, it's, so it's definitely. Hurt. Does it hurt when you're not even like moving? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And and oh, they you me... are so old. <laughs> oh, you've got like chronic pain. You're so old now. But they they told me yesterday that like, it's, it's they gave me some local anaesthetic and said tomorrow it's gonna hurt a lot more. But <laughs> you're not allowed to take anti-inflammatories because we want inflammatories essentially. We want inflammatories. <laughs> we want... We're pro. We're pro-inflammatory. 
we want to burn this down. We want to flame this up. Like, nothing quite flamey down there already for other reasons. But um, yeah, so I'm hoping that this might elicit a response of some sort. But if not, I, I got the sense from um, from Michael, like he gets it now. He's now at this. This is embarrassing. We are, we are, we are on this. Like we're going to do whatever it takes from now on to make sure that you're back. <laughs> what does what does whatever it takes mean from an NHS perspective? Uh, booking in through two weeks time. And uh... oh, oh my God! What really? <laughs> Which is well, it's going to be a month. Oh, wait, 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 wait! Is that an actual appointment in two weeks time, or is that your opportunity to book in <laughs> two weeks time? That's normally it. Take the ticket. It's the option. It's the option to book an appointment in order to find out your next appointment in two weeks time. Yeah. So, but um, how do, oh, that's not even what I'm in a family. I'm in a family because Amazon are just utter sea bombs what like, so the injury is not the thing that you're, you're in a foul mood so why do we talk about your injury oh because you said why am i back Gosh. oh okay that's why you're back oh okay oh, you knocked hell. me off route there you, okay. you opened the door that i then i wandered into <laughs> oh, here's the whole world of pain as well um yeah basically i've, I've discovered that amazon have a program allows you to sell across europe oh yeah which in some ways sounds like a great program where if you sell from the UK without having to pay anything extra, they'll take from your stash in the UK. They'll use their network to put them in the stash in Spain and France. That if someone buys from Spain or France, you can then send Amazon and sell them from that stash directly without charging you. And, and people can then just use the local program. So you're not having to pay all these fees. Sounds like a great idea. Now, what Amazon then tell you is that as soon as you enroll in this program, um, it then opens you up to VAT liabilities oh in Europe. Oh my God, VAT liability in Europe. You do not want to get involved with that. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> you don't have a choice when you sign up for this program. Oh no. And they then, so having been selling in these countries where you, it costs you a little bit more to ship, um, I then have since probably September last year had the account in Germany instantly frozen. So I've now applied for a VAT. Oh God! In every pretty much every country in Europe, oh allowed to tax return in every country in Europe. Um, and but wonderfully, of, of what really was great about Amazon, I've now discovered that this whole time. So I'm now back up in Germany. And it's taken a, an extremely long time to do that. Um, but throughout that period, because Germany was no longer in the Amazon pan FBA program, oh, yeah. it meant that none of the other countries were in the pan FBA program. So actually, Amazon were charging additional fees on top of everything. So if I sold one packet in Spain for Four ninety nine, including delivery. Amazon would charge me four eighty three. <gasps> now I, I hadn't been in, into the nitty gritty detail of every single country's line by line transaction until recently, because I've been. When you look at the page that has your inventory, it tells you Amazon fulfillment costs. This much, including this much for FBA. These are additional costs that aren't on that page that they tuck away somewhere else if you deep, 
dig in. And so essentially for the last eight, eight months or so, with every single product I've been selling before advertising costs, um, I've been losing money in Spain. And I've been trying to figure out where, why accounts weren't making sense and where all this uh, this European cash wasn't well, where was it coming in from? And now I've realised, and now Amazon obviously have got terms and conditions that somewhere explain all of this, but obviously they don't explain to you any of that, and they're just utter shite. So I've, I'm now in a position where I've I've lost hundreds and hundreds of pounds, um, and it's all making sense now why my cash flow in certain areas was pretty crap. Um, and yeah, I should have I should have been on top of every single transaction in every country, and but it's pretty tough when it's just yourself. So yeah, I've had a bit bit of a crap day, and I've been speaking to Amazon, and I've 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 ended up just telling every person who I've been in a chat with because you can't speak to anyone that you know they are working for a morally bankrupt company, and that they should that they have to be aware of the actions of their company and that they are party to that. And they, they by working for this company, they are enabling a company to act in this way. And that makes them a bad person if they're prepared to accept that as a way of treating partners of their business. So, yeah, that's why I'm having a bad day. But uh, how are you? How are you? All right. All right, Karen. Did you ask to see a manager? Debbie, that, you can't. You can't. You're chatting to someone and what in a... There's no, they can't call you. Um, yeah. Oh, it, I know, I know. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? That's, I mean, like, you know. So basically, to sum it up, Amazon is a bit of a twat of a company. Shocker. I mean, I wouldn't say a bit of a twat. I would say Amazon have steal from small businesses' pocket. Um, and <laughs> I, I've been trying to think of a way, like, how can I utterly shut? How can I bring down Amazon? Is that yeah. I've been thinking, what if one of my packets has got like some kind of smoke grenade that ruins all the warehouses? Like, would they find out that was from me? Like, is it worth it? Then, then no, of course I wouldn't do that because it would harm loads of other small businesses. But like, how can we properly screw them up the bum hole? So, um, so if anyone's got any ideas, it's our next challenge as a podcast. <laughs> do we screw Amazon up the bum hole royally? Any, you know. Send me a postcard via Spain. It only costs five euros. But anyway, anyway. That's great. That's great. I think le- um, suffering from that level of um, loss, uh, what I like about that is that BB what, Armour... What, what, what do you mean like something? How could you like anything about that? You no, should no, hate no, 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 no. I'm, I'm thinking purely from my perspective is that, you know, everyone knows that, you know, the problem I had with, the, with BBR merch is that effectively with that first batch of merch we sold, I made a loss on every single um, uh, T-shirt, vest and everything. I didn't realise we were going to sell that much. I didn't realise we were going to lose that much on those, on those sales in the first place. But that was, that was just UK. You're doing this on a pan-European level. You, you have made a loss in every country. <laughs> yeah, I mean, th- I mean, the good news is I'm not selling very much. I mean, the great news is my product isn't popular enough for me to really be in the shit. <laughs> <laughs> the bad news is you've got a cold sore on your face. The good news is no one wants to kiss you anyway. <laughs> Thanks, oh, that's good. Well, I like the fact that we've gone into detail about um, 
uh, Amazon Amazon business there, um, in case anyone yeah. else was thinking of doing it. But I, I, I imagine that's a public sector announcement that you just wanted to get out there. Yeah, it is. So, um, oh, it feels, it's, I feel a bit better now. <laughs> yeah, you should do. You should do. It's therapy to get it out, get it off your chest. There'll be someone in the group. There's, there's, there's a lot of like conspiracy theorists and um, uh, people that have grudges against companies. Yeah. Um, you know, within the group, like people that there's a lot of people in uh, in BBR who don't want to pay by PayPal because they think their PayPal's an evil company, and I'm like. Do you know what? There's a there's a lot of evil companies. If you think PayPal's an evil company, like you, must, you not use Mastercard or Visa. I mean, like they they're pretty bad as well. Oh no! What have PayPal done? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. But there's the amount of people. Remember when we uh, when? Well, I say when we were setting up the running club. When the the committee was setting up the running club, the amount of people who said, "Oh, they're not gonna, they don't want to pay by PayPal. Can they send a check in or something like that?" Um, because yeah, some people have got it. I, what I want to know, do badders. Is, do you have do you have a company or um, a, a business or a brand or that you're boycotting that only you know you're boycotting and it literally is making no difference whatsoever to that company? <laughs> because I, for years after reading after reading No Logo by Naomi Klein, I went <laughs> and I, I, I and I boycotted um, uh, Starbucks, Gap, and um, uh, uh, what was the other one? I, I must have like boycotted for like 15 years or something. The most ineffectual boycott that has ever happened in the history because all of those companies grew exponentially in that period. <laughs> like, I'd, I'd like to see if like someone, because there's always, someone's always got, oh, I'm boycotting that company. And you're like, you're like literally the only person boycotting it. It's going to make no difference whatsoever. I don't think boycotts, I do think boycotts do make a difference. Um, but I'd love to find out where the people, where there are do-badders who have, these boycotts in their head they're going that they think are making a difference. So tell I, me, tell me, like in the group, tell me who you're boycotting and why everyone else should boycott them as well. Yes, that's a bad cop. A, a do bad, bad cop. Do bad cop. Do you think Jeffrey Boycott ever boycotted? Was he, is that how he got his name? It is, um, I think people, didn't Jeffrey Boycott um, allegedly get done for some kind of domestic violence thing and he was kind of boycotted as a result of that. Ooh, I'm trying to think of a joke that, that won't get me in, that it couldn't be misconstrued given that we're talking about domestic violence, so I'm going to avoid all jokes there. There aren't that many jokes about domestic violence that, that, that one, are funny, or two... No, no, I mean, I wasn't going to make the joke about domestic violence, I was going to make the joke about boycott. Oh, okay. Boycotting boycott, but yeah, we'll, 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 gla we'll, gla we'll glaze on. Anyway, how are you, buddy? What's been happening? Um, I am doing... The accumulator. Uh, I mean, I assume you don't mean the accumulator. Are you thinking of the one at the end of Gladiators? <laughs> no, that's the Travelator. Travelator, okay. Because there's no way you're talking about the accumulator, accumulator. Yeah. And the first four days? We're on day three at the moment. But you've started? Yeah. What? Yeah, why? It's... Why is that surprising? Um, well, we've been trying to kind of get you to run. Run? 
<laughs> I've been running. I've been running loads. What the fuck is everyone talking? Why does no? I run loads. I just don't. I'm not like fucking cunt face twat biscuit. But I can telling everyone I'm doing it. Every I'm not like Ali on the fucking like video for 23 hours in a day talking about it. I just because I don't talk about it as much. I don't, it's not to mean I'm doing it. I'm doing loads of fucking running. <laughs> that was a little bit aggressive, Aero. Really? You accumulated. I. I um, yeah, uh, so yeah, so I'm doing I'm doing it this uh, doing it this month, start of July. Wow! And so for anyone who doesn't know the accumulator, it starts one mile first day, then two, and it go all the way up. Did you choose June, July because it's a uh, shortened run? Oh no, it's it's thirty one days. Thirty one days, yeah, yeah. Oh man, and um, why? Um, there is a reason, but I can't tell you. There's a reason you can't sell it. There is. Is it midlife crisis? Midlife crisis? What? Midlife crisis? No, midlife crisis um, would that would have me enjoying triathlon if I was having a midlife crisis. Is this to actually? Is this to distract away from the fact that you're not doing an Ironman? Well, it's not going to be an Ironman this year, is there? Mainly because Ironman's going bust. Yeah, or next year. but I'm not going to be doing an Ironman this year, am I? So, so I'm not doing that. So this is actually, uh, I'm actually looking forward to it because I don't, <laughs> here we go. I don't think it sounds that hard. <laughs> um, which, which aspects of it do you think? I tell uh, you what, the most difficult bit, the most difficult bit is remembering to go for a run. That's the most difficult bit. Because I nearly forgot on the first day. I left it till about nine o'clock. I was like, oh, shit, I'm supposed to be doing day one of the acute because those distances are so, so small. Like today, I was like, OK, that's the thing. I think when, it go, when it's the shorter distances, it's so easy to forget. You go, oh, I'm going to run like three yeah. miles. Three miles is a piece of piss. It's only three miles and it gets to like 10 minutes before midnight. You're like, shit. Like, yeah. I so this week I just back to back and just go one mile, um, 10 to midnight and then run through and do the next two miles straight off so you get three miles in one go job done <laughs> yeah i don't know the um i don't i don't think it seems too bad i've planned out the end of the month you know um well i say i've planned out the end of the month i i look at races that i've done in the past and how much mileage there was in a week and uh i think it's all right it's just as always just making sure that you're not injured that's just the gate name of the game is no there's no speed um, well, not, you, there, there is that there is that limit doing it within a 24 hour period. Have you raced this far before then? Because my max has been MDS, which you even get a rest day in. So it, per day, it's not it's not that crazy. Um, so let's say one week I've done 150 miles, 150 something miles tops. Yeah. Um, have you have you topped that? Actually, when I was doing Nike Grid, I did a marathon a day on average, but it was done with shuttle runs. The longest I've done is just over 200 miles in eight days. Ooh, okay. And that was and that was the Alps. So there was that's a lot less, I guess. That was the Alps. It's a lot less, but yeah, but you're not. But the thing is, the you know, there's all the ascent and the descent and the chance of injury and stuff like that. That 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 was the issue with that. So you're doing this from home. I think that makes it harder. Oh, do you think so? Yeah, because you're going to have to deal with life, whereas in all these other things, 
you have got all your kit set out you've got all your you're building up to it whereas you're not you haven't got a build up to this like that last week you're coming in off the back of the, the previous time and so you're already knackered you're already bored of it you're already used up all of your goodwill in the house and Hugo doesn't give a crap that you're doing this he's not going to stop crying at certain times and so yeah i i think being at home makes it a lot harder because libby will be i'm sure she'll be understanding to a certain extent but well she doesn't even know i'm doing it so um, <laughs> let's not... how is she not gonna find out how well, you just, i'm just gonna go that. out for increasingly longer runs each day until she realizes that i've gone out for like six hours or something is this gonna try and I'm, I'm not gonna i'm gonna see how long it takes before she realizes that i'm doing it okay and because I don't think she doesn't really she doesn't really pay attention on how long I go out when I run. She does she um, doesn't. Or, or, or I'll do it so early that she won't <laughs> even be awake yet. So I don't think she'll even realise until that final week, I don't think she'll even realise that I'm doing I'm doing something. But how long would thirty one miles take you at the end of all of that time, given that you're not racing it, there's no crowd, there's no impetus to do it quickly. Oh, what, I don't know. I I I but I, the thing is I you know, if I'm doing that I'm gonna I'm gonna take as long as I want. I'm not gonna I'm not it's gonna, gonna be six, seven hours, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And especially because round here, you know, there's not there's not roads to run on. So it's gonna be it's gonna be on trail anyway. And <laughs> the thing I think is you know, you can You can have to wash it at midnight without her finding out and just get all your socks in there and get the washing. So, there's a lot of washing to do recently. Why is there <laughs> why am I watching so much stuff? Like um yeah, I don't. She, I don't think she'll notice. She won't notice until that last week. She won't notice. Until, I don't. I can't remember when. Let's have a look. Actually, when does the when do the final few days fall? If the final few days fall on a um, a weekend, I reckon I can get through the whole thing without uh, noticing. Yeah, last week starts on the Saturday, so it ends on the Friday. Oh, does it? Yeah. Oh, that's annoying. Mate, you've got to. Oh, that's really annoying. One week later, go for your five key, your five k PB, or go for a sub four. <laughs> yeah, or yeah, I'll try. I'll try doing that. Um, what, but what I can do, what I'll do actually, what I can do is that if I do get found out in that final week, I can go. Oh, I'm gonna just take Thursday and Friday as my weekend and take ages doing this. And on Saturday, Sunday, I'll you know you'll have me for basically forty eight hours without any running. So at least I've got some leverage there in that final week. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't feel like a real challenge because there's no like no medal there's no well, fat no one else it's just like you're just going oh i'm doing it and i'm just you know stored on my garment i don't even know i'm supposed to put it on strava and stuff like that i don't even care about the medal and stuff like that i just want to do it um and just see um you know how it feels and what what percentage chance what odds do you give yourself if you're a horse i think if i remember then uh i think it's a dead cert like <laughs> if you get through the first week guaranteed i think it's it's just trying it's just trying to remember like the thing is when you when it gets i think until it gets up to about kind of like the 10th or whatever it, it can feel quite casual because you can knock out those kind of runs you know any time of the day and stuff like yeah. that when you get beyond that when it starts getting to like longer run territory that's going to be planned and if it's planned in you're more likely to do it um this this is great news absolutely why, great why, news. Why, what do you mean this is great news this is just 
Yeah, I've looked it's at some of the people that have done the. I've looked at some of the people that have done the accumulator, and I'm like, fucking hell, them. Why, right, if they can do it? And then, go on, name name the people you're specific. <laughs> no, I'm not going to name the people. So, too bad is we. Firstly, we, we need to do a. We we need to do some kind of bet on this. How many days is JD going to last? But also, we need to come up with what excuses JD going to give when he doesn't complete. What's the total number of miles? What's the total number of miles? I haven't worked it out. Can you work it out? Um, so it's going to be 15 um, times 30. So you've got 450 miles. Oh, yeah, that's all right. That makes sense, isn't it? That's 16 times 31. So about that, yeah, 470 approximately. Yeah, fine. I think it's all right. I think it'll be all right. <laughs> How many miles have you run this year? What, including the accumulator so far? I have no idea how many miles I've run this year. Why would I know that? I, why would I? I, I don't. I, sometimes I don't wear my watch. I don't care. <laughs> okay, it's, okay. It's, it's a lot more miles than I've cycled. Well, um, from long distance. Do you, know that? Do, you know, like, the, do you know the specific amount of miles you've run this year? Yeah. Do Zero. You know? oh, oh yeah. <laughs> But do you know, like, I know that people like Dominic Spain and stuff like that, they'll be like, oh, I did this amount of miles in a month. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm a bit more casual about you know, um, kind of stuff. No, I'd, I'd probably, at the end of the year, I'd, I'd know because driver would email me with, uh, here's your year in numbers. Um, and I've got always, in my head, I've always got a sense of like, how, how much I'm running. But actually, and, unless I'm training for something, I'm probably doing just 60 to 70. Um, or zero, or zero. But um, yeah, from long distances to short distances, this is quite an old story, but we've got a proper doper. Proper 100, doper. 100, 100 meter champion. Well, he's not a doper, he's a, he's a mist, which I think is ridiculous. That, so Coleman, he's being banned now for missing his tests. But have you have you read about this? Yeah, I have read about it. I just the mist te- the mist test thing, and is this the one where they came along and he wasn't in the house? I mean, he's been he's missed quite a few tests, and it it's really the attitude behind it because the similar things happened as we spoke about with the I can't remember her name, but the um, the athlete from one of the countries in the Middle East um, who was a four hundred meter Olympic champion. Uh, then Christian Coleman, he's he's missed three tests. Yeah, and, and this is a ridiculous thing because it turns out. Well, firstly, there's there's been, there was a a UK uh, athlete who was banned in the past for only missing one test. So mm-hmm. yeah, so Mark Dry was given a four year ban by UKAD in May for missing a single test. Jeez. Yeah, and I, I don't understand fully enough. Um, so UK anti-doping asserts that Mr. Dry was not being truthful in his whereabout location. Oh, okay. So there's um, another element to it. They've and that, yeah, and that there was kind of tampering, tampering, attempted tampering. Yeah. So one, if you're gonna apply, you've got to apply the ba- the bans in the same way, surely. Or and that's a thing. Sawa Aydnasa, she went into the last Olympics, so the last World Championships, having missed plus drug tests. 
though she should not have been allowed to, to race. The same with Coleman. And he's come out really nonchalantly because the actual ban itself, because the Olympics were delayed, it could be that he was he, he could have run the Olympics. It's looking like he won't now. But it's, it's just bizarre the way it seems so nonchalant as if, hey, this is just part of life, guys, that you miss these bans, you know. And actually, I don't understand why people aren't taking it seriously. This is part of their jobs. And like Di Green comes out with an amazing statement talking about it, the, uh, yeah. the, British, the British runner. And um, Michael Johnson's come out and like, this is your job to actually ensure that you don't fail that you're there when imagine, you imagine you don't fail a drug test take a drug test i mean it's you, so basic yeah. isn't it and i understand there is a need to be in a certain place and it and it could be hard to potentially track where you are from day to day from out and out hour to hour but this is your job where your sport is absolutely riddled with drug cheats yeah if you look especially the 100 meters if you think about how many athletes have been clean in that sport and even the ones that are clean have, a lot of them have got question marks about them and so therefore you'd think just from a like a PR point of view you'd be fairly sensitive to the fact that you want to appear clean because no one else is um, and yet it's the nonchalance at which they're like oh well well, I don't know. The thing is, when I read that one, I thought it wasn't quite not. Oh, God, it wasn't quite nonchalance. It was more. There was a certain belligerence to it. I don't know. It's very difficult yeah. to pick it up. But it felt like it was belligerent, like it's their fault that I wasn't there. I just popped out to the shops. You're like, what? It's quite. It sounds such a it, It's just you think this is because it was a, it was it the third time that this had happened or something. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just you're like, like, what, like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. what are you doing? And I, I, the only conclusion is, if you're that non, if you're that belligerent about it, is that you you should get the full ban, or you're a drug cheat, and you're. You've got, you've got it. I mean, like that's the thing. What what else does it point to? Um, yeah. Because you think I, I don't know. It's really difficult not not knowing how that how that actually works. And they like Ofsted inspections. Like you get a period of time they're gonna like you're gonna <laughs> be visited, or you know, I don't know. It's it's just. It's just and, their responses, and I don't know whether it's how they're reported or whatever, but their responses always do seem like, oh, I did everything I could. You're like, well, I don't know, I'm not sure you, it didn't, it didn't feel like you did everything you could. Because yeah. you, you keep doing it, and it, that's a pattern of behaviour that is very, very suspicious. And this is more important than your training, in that if you miss a training day, you're slightly behind on your training. If you miss a drug test, it is essentially opening you up to the fact that you could be seen as a drug cheat, but also will not be able to compete ever again. And so they need to, they, they, if someone misses one drug test, then like, at what point does it seem important to the athlete? <laughs> That's the point. Well, I don't. I think it's there's just there's questions like, firstly, do, is that what happened? Do they do they give them a, a window? Say, well, we're going to come at some point in these months. We're going to come to you and do a drug test, or is it completely random that they turn up? Why do they do they actually turn up to their house and do it? Why wouldn't they turn up to their you know like the training they need to area? Say where they are at a certain time each day, I believe, and so the drug tester could turn up on that day and if they turn up on that day they need to be where they say they are and 
I I understand that, that those things may change, but surely they on should the third, have... On the third time you go, I'm, uh, well, I suppose you don't know when they're going to turn up. That's the thing, isn't it? No, but if you've got a lot of time each day where you need to say where you are, they often are in different countries. I mean, like, you, you surely have a diary. You surely have a calendar. Then so, this... so wait a minute. So you're, so you're saying you, you have to say where you will be at one o'clock on a certain day each day. Oh, that's, or, is, that's or, or, is it, or is it like a bloody Hermes delivery, my Hermes delivery, where you've got to be <laughs> in between seven, seven in the morning and 11 at night? The... I think you need to say where you are each day. And, and, I, and it could be difficult, but you, this is just, it's, it's just simple management of time, right? And management of data. And... But, also, but also you're a professional athlete. Like what else are you doing? Surely you're, if, you're, if you're at home, you're training and then you're coming back home. Surely, if you're if you're if you're training at a facility, you're at a facility, and then you're coming back to that facility. And this is part of your job. It's not a, a, an aside. Like this is the most you could argue the most important part of your job because this is the point at which you can no longer compete at all as an athlete. So I think from now on, they just have to say they have one set of rules, and if you miss one test, they change the rules. And even if it has to be, you are not allowed to leave your country. You and they make it harder for people. And if you're you not to leave your country, I think that's that's the Chinese rule, isn't it? Oh, that's true. <laughs> but but they, you know, you are not allowed. You have to. They have to be even more strict with them and say, now that you've missed one test for the next year, and they put in harder, more more stringent rules that then decentivize people from missing one test. Well, surely, surely a way of doing it would be to change the way and say, okay, so basically. After every single every single race, or over over a standard amount of a period of time, if you miss it, then over a period of time, we're going to check you. We're going to test you every week or something. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. They just you you think there, there must be there's got to be some kind of formula. Again, I suppose that's limited. The reason they do it the way they do it is because they're just limited in terms of their their funding, yeah. their ability to to go out and and and, and do it on that basis. Um, but you think, you know, if you've missed two tests, you know, they've got to, oh, I don't know. The thing is, you would, <laughs> as the athlete, you would be turning around to them and go and insisting, like, please come and test me every fucking week or something like yeah. that. Let, yeah, do, you yeah. want me, do you want me to test myself? What, what can I do? I will show yeah. up at a facility and it will allow you to test me every fucking week to prove yeah. that I'm doing it. You would do like you would do well, that. Well, I am exactly here. Tell me the nearest place now where I can go and actually get tested to show my biological passport hasn't changed significantly or whatever it may be. Yeah. So interestingly enough, they're now looking at potentially introducing AI to be able to got your biological passport, which shows different levels of uh, different chemicals in your bloodstream. So the idea is that you might have higher red blood cells at some point or lower because you go to altitude or not. And the, the passport is a way to track if you're an individual who has certain higher testosterone levels than others all the time or at certain peaks, because most people who drugs do dope will then peak. And so it's how do you explain that? And that's by the passport. Because if you show that someone's outside what zones you'd expect, even if they're not breaking a specific rule, that that demonstrates that they've taken something illegally. So, yeah, they're, they're now suggesting that they might use AI to be able to 
track patterns between the different markers in their passports and cross-reference those with other information. So it, it could be that they've already got lists of people who they who are on the suspect list, and I'd love to see who's on that because I know of uh, some. Hey, why don't we list some now? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, then. I, I do know that, and it, it doesn't mean that they're guilty. It might be that they've just had some unusual stuff. Well, well, no way, you're not going to say a name, are you? Um, well, I, I do know of some, um, let's just say Scandinavian runners um, who are fairly famous. I know of one of those who's, who's definitely on the list. Um, but that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean they're, uh, they are doping. It just means that they might, may have, for example, been training at altitude when people hadn't realized or something along those lines yeah but it, it's it's just if i don't understand how you can have a system where you have two athletes going into major championships who have flouted the flaunted the rules and they're allowed to still compete and you only ban them afterwards for then continuing that behavior and they've just got to stamp down on them massively surely you can't you can't have rules and not enforce them and expect then especially high profile races that they're, they're the ones you've got to stamp down on the most to, or else everyone's just going to think well we can get away with it so absolutely crazy absolutely crazy um but from uh people who are taking drugs to break records to so people who are breaking records and having them taken away almost immediately do you know what i'm talking about I thought you were trying to seg into the interview. I'm like, what? No, no, that's. Do you know what? That, that couldn't happen. To, that couldn't happen to a, a, in a funnier situation. So God bless him, CFTP, our own Rich, who not only was he the first person to try and cheat as much as possible to to win the fastest 5k time on Earth, which he did. Um, Oh, well, he no. che he's cheating. We're actually, we're going from cheating, and he, he, is, he is the biggest cheat. Winning craft half, not drinking any alcohol. Winning the, <laughs> uh, uh, what's it called, uh, wine marathon without drinking any wine, uh, as uh, John Melbourne. Uh, well, I mean, that's why he's got his name, isn't it? Because cause he's, a, cause he's a massive cheat. Um, and so, yeah, he's, um, he's cheated a lot of times. So, actually, what's happened is retribution almost. But um, CFTB, he set the fastest time for the Ross Barkley 5K only for someone else to literally hours later beat his 5k time but, he's, then... but he but he's such a master of publicity in that couple <laughs> of hours where he was he, he managed to get himself featured on publications online even in even in that two-hour window he, he is such a self-publicizing <laughs> genius that he can do that we need to get him on board for our marketing but i i feel particularly sorry for rich on this this one so with with lockdown, people have been struggling to to really have a purpose with their running. And Rich is an extremely fast marathon runner, has never really gone into the ultra distance, and so he, he set himself the challenge of beating the the Jubilee Greenway FKT, which if you haven't heard of that, it's quite a cool run. If you haven't heard of that, don't worry, no one else. Does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's niche, but yeah. <laughs> true, true. But it, it's a FKT where it, it goes around the 
the the outskirts of centralish London. So <laughs> that's a great the outskirts of centralish London. I mean, it's a really weird route because it if you were to think of a like the M25, you know, circles London, or if you think of Zone One or Zone Two, this for some reason is a route that it goes through Hyde Park as its westmost point, and for some reason it goes all the way out to Beckton as its eastmost point. So, in terms of in terms of the centre of London, it says the centre of London essentially is Stepney. So it's a little bit off there, but it's a marathon and a half where you have to self-navigate um, going all the way up to kind of Camden, down to Greenwich, um, up through Hackney Marshes. And Rich meticulously planned this route and banged out an incredibly fast time of three hours, 36 minutes, which for a 34 and a half-ish, 35-mile-ish run is pretty damn quick. And that also includes all that, all the fence jumping and the gate jumping that you had to do in order to, in order to complete it. Yeah, unbelievable time given the circumstances. And while filming himself as well, he'd have probably been quicker if he hadn't been so obsessed with publicising. <laughs> and this was his first kind of foray into into ultra. So an amazing, amazing time. Which is it really, is that yeah, really? I, be- is there? I believe so. Yeah, and that. That's kind of unsupported where yeah, that kind of that kind of thing. That's what's ruined ultra faster people doing it. Yeah. Ruined, it's just ruined it. And if you think how many races and how many um, FKTs there are out there with utterly useless winners and um, and times of which, you know, I'm, I'm a winner of some of some ultras and I wouldn't even get close to sniffing the air behind Richard's pace. And wow, that's um, incredible. And yeah, and so he chose to take a very random route that no one had really tried the FKT properly and utterly destroyed it, only for a week later for Paul Martetti to beat his time by less than a minute. <gasps> was that all it was? Yeah, a- absolutely brutal. And Paul was just doing it as a trading run. You know... <laughs> I wasn't even trying. You know that Paul, he would have pushed, but he wouldn't have gone into the the minute detail and level of planning that Rich certainly would have done. I tell you what, it's a lesson in you should never be too keen. Should never care. Should never be too keen or care. See, look, again, look, we've come full circle around uh, talking about the accumulator. Like, don't don't plan it. If you plan it, you're just going to be disappointed. And it's just absolutely brutal that it was all uploaded onto Strava. And I don't think Rich... He'd done a video. He'd, done, he'd edited a video and everything, hadn't he? He'd edited a video. <laughs> he's going, oh, this is going to... It's just like, oh, do you know, is it worth it for, for a week-long record? He hadn't even managed to get the video out yet. And it had <laughs> already gone. Already gone. Just... And so, I mean, I've, I've got to salute you, Rich, but... I've got to salute Paul as well, because that is pretty darn funny, um, but in the most brutal way. So um, I, I think from now on, we should just almost pull the best runners in England to to ensure that Richard, whatever he attempts. Whatever he does, we'll get. <laughs> yeah. 
we'll get who we'll just get pull on this yeah this pool of amazing runners to to just be anything that he does literally his name will not exist on that <laughs> kt website for more than a few hours what would be great is if we could somehow coordinate the next time that he attempts something that paul martinetti uh, just turns up like minutes after him and overtakes him during his attempt so that by the time he finishes his fkt paul's already broken it well that's the thing so the thing is what 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 needs to happen is rich needs to do an attempt but not know what the attempt is while he's doing it that is that is how you you make sure that other people aren't even preparing for that kind of thing it's going to be called something like the f the ctfb way um the ctfb fkt there you go uh, the thing is i, I suppose what really uh, worked to his strengths on this one is that he went past loads of pubs and didn't have a drink um, <laughs> so it did it did work he, he's used to that but i mean hats off to both of you like Paul, both of their time is 245 marathon pace he's insane actually that's his first that's his first furry as an ultra ah oh. and then I, I, it's annoying because i feel I, I feel I want to laugh at him, but I also feel a huge amount of uh, admiration at what he's done yeah. as well. It's a it's a very unusual. I'll go back. I'll go back to feeling ag aggressive about him uh, <laughs> very shortly. And, but actually, what this what could be quite interesting about this is that with an absence of races, are there more or are there more runners out there who've started doing ultras and started doing these these uh, FKT? Oh. I bet, I bet you that, I bet you that's gone. I wonder if they do, they do like a volume thing. I bet you that the amount of people, yeah, having a bash at ultras and stuff like that as, as, you know, you know, I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? It's not just like having a bash at ultras. Most people, when they do their first ultra, they'll do it as part of a race. They'll build up to a race. Yeah. But how many people are doing self-supported ultras? Um, you know, I mean, that's, that, that's a, a whole new, a whole new level, isn't it? Of yeah, and and it's a whole new level that it brings to the to the whole um, area of ultra running. The fact that people feel confident enough uh, that they that they can go out and do that and feel as though you know feel comfortable with doing it. Yeah, and that's the thing. We, it could be because of lockdown. If Rich and Paul suddenly just start to do to do ultras. Oh, don't don't let them do ultras. Just like, <laughs> oh, some shitty road running and like, like really quick distances over pointless times that we didn't care about. Don't infect the ultra community with like <laughs> speed and stuff like that. But Paul, we want you. We want. You. I've been trying to get Paul on the podcast. I think Paul has the 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 the, the badge of being UK's fastest uncoached marathon runner. Which is that a title? Yeah. <laughs> what? It's one, of those, uncoached my... it's one of those titles that Bruno tells me. Bruno, oh, it's, it's is it? Bruno. Right. But oh, that, is a, that is a Bruno stat, that, isn't it? If you think about, so Paul probably runs a 2.16, that marathon. And for a while, he's been attempting to get into the, the England team, the GB team. And he's been absolutely on the cusp. And if you think of previous runners who's, who've made that switch like um steve way came third in comrades there and he stepped up he's got the i think the 60k the 100k uk record and it could be that because of this like for paul he could go out there and, and take on some incredible records represent england um and 
it'd be great to see what he's like on heels. Could he get go out to things like UTMB? And you know, he's he hasn't got age against him. He's got the guy runs at two hundred mile weeks. He runs enough already for ultras. Yeah. All he needs to do is to decide to to do one. And now he's done this. And BFTB, I heard he did it at a saunter. So uh, <laughs> he cruised his way around <laughs> yeah. at a relaxed pace. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, Paul, come and join us. Take on some, take on some ultras, and just give it a go because he's training hard enough already, and he's going to get more leg strength from doing some of those races, which might help in his marathon. But it could be that we're discovering this whole new talent in ultra running now and that the lockdown could actually lead to a real positive for, for Team GB. But talking about running around London, we've got probably the fastest growing crew in London of the last, but they grew so fast that they actually had to try and reduce the numbers. So, take away, Nick. So, do batters, we've been, I think we've talked about Midnight Runners a bit in the past, primarily when, whenever I'm talking about drunkest things I've done at Love Trails and the people we've met there, or when we've gone to the Faroe Islands and the, the people we're hanging out there. Um, we wanted to hear about how they came to pass, how they've grown, because partly it's a reflection on how things are changing, but it, it's also, it gives a, a bit of an insight into potentially what running clubs are doing wrong and what they're doing right. So to talk to us about that and also about other joyous things, such as the Mogadishu Marathon, please welcome on the podcast, Jody Bragger. Yeah. Dave, Jody, it's a pleasure. I'm just happy to be able to talk to another guy called Jody. I, I, do you know, this is, this is incredible. We've got, I mean, meeting another Jody is always a, uh, a an experience. Mainly because I need to find out from you why are you called Jody? What? <laughs> because people ask me that all the time. Like, what was going through your parents' mind? So, why? Why do you know why you're called Jody? I am on a one-man mission to try and make the world realise that it's also a guy's name. So, <laughs> so <laughs> I am named after the character from a book called The Yearling, who was a guy. Yeah. And I also remind people that there was a South African Formula One driver called Jody, Sek- Jody Schechter to kind of reaffirm my masculinity um, <laughs> after mentioning that. Yeah. So, and what and that, are you called, Jody? That's the Jody I'm named after, Jody Schechter. There Tell we go. 